0: Hey, what's going on guys? Welcome back to the Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast, the radio show coming to you on this Saturday, March the 27th, 2021. Hopefully it finds you staying safe and staying sweaty all at the same time. On today's episode, we are going to dig into 10 things to think about. And that's very broad, I know, but uh, I'll dig into it, obviously, As we travel down the rabbit hole here together, everybody. But before I jump into today's podcast, a reminder, this episode is brought to you by my homies at Athletic Greens. You guys know, I've talked about this for probably four years now, or whenever we first did the uh, initial podcast episode. It's the one thing I take every single day. I struggle to eat enough greens, just like basically everybody else. I got tired of taking 14 different pills and trying to choke down disgusting greens over the toilet. Yes, I actually used to do that. That's actually how I used to take the first protein powders. Like when Metrix back in the day like made this chalky shit protein, I would actually uh, try to slam it over the toilet and uh, gag it down. That's not fun. And that's what I used to do with greens as well until I found Athletic Greens. And so it is the best tasting greens on the planet by far. It's not even close. If you're looking for something that literally is an all-in-one kind of whole food supplement with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food ingredients, this is your best bet. You can throw away most of the shit you're taking, and this would replace it. And it's easy, especially the travel packs, when you're on the road or anywhere, just put it in water, slam it, boom. Much easier than taking shots of mind erasers at the bar at 2 a.m. So if you're interested... And you want to try athletic greens, you've heard me talk about it for years and years now, we can give you a year supply of free vitamin D, which we know is essential during this season of life. But really, you know, most people are deficient in it, or at least insufficient if you're not getting in the sun at least an hour a day with leg and chest arm exposure. So we give you a year supply of free vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first order. The site, athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott, to get hooked up with that deal. Or you can shoot me a DM. I'm happy to share all the info with you, answer any questions. And if you want to try a sample, 100% for free, you can shoot us a message on the contact page, email me, Instagram, wherever you can connect with us. And I'll have Monica actually send a pack right to your front door. I don't care what country you're in. I don't care what state it is. We will send a pack to you so you can try it and then get hooked up with all the free stuff. That's how much I believe in it. Again, the site, athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott to get hooked up with the free info and products. Now, uh, the podcast is all to you, also brought to you by my homies at Beam CBD. This is the CBD product I take to sleep every single night. There's no THC in it. You won't fail a drug test. It will not make you high, but it will help you get quality restorative sleep. You don't wake up feeling hungover. It's not habit-forming. I personally like the Dream product, which has melatonin in it as well with 20 milligrams of the nano CBD. So again, if you're looking for something to help you not just get to sleep, but stay asleep, so the latency, you're going to wake up less. Uh, Short of me just getting up to pee because I drink so much water, that's the only time I wake up. I don't wake up thinking about 19 random things in the middle of the night worrying myself crazy. I just take this, boom, and I'm out. And I wake up the next day ready to kick ass. So if you guys want to try the dream product from beam, uh, the site beamtlc.com. You can always put in code Jeremy Scott for 35% off subscriptions, 20% off all products, no matter what. But we can hook you up with a three free night sample of the dream product. If you're interested in getting hooked up with that. And again, you guys can always reach out to me. Heather uses the salve. um, Also the tinctures as well. People do say it helps with anxiety, which I don't struggle with, but people say it works for that. Uh, There's a lot of stuff coming out about uh, inflammation but again, I do use it for the sleep, and that's what I like it for. So if you're interested, the site beamtlc.com and the code Jeremy Scott will always get you 35% off subscriptions and 20% off products always and forever. Now, we are going to touch on a handful of things here. Uh, this episode comes uh, off of uh, a message my man Pat Rigsby had put out uh, titled 10 Things to Think About. And just, he basically connect them to things that affect business. But I think like anything in life, you can apply it to whatever is most pressing in your life. So whether it's personal development, whether it's your finances, whether it's business, whether it's your fitness your nutrition, all those things are obviously interconnected. But these are 10 things that I think uh, are going to resonate with a lot of you guys. And a lot of these things are going to hit home and they're going to hit home pretty deep. But uh, as we're kind of getting back into, you know, what I would consider normal-ish life here in Arizona... As things are getting, uh, you know, uh, looser, I guess, with the restrictions is how I would put it. And uh, people are ramping up the vaccine stuff. People hopefully are are now taking their health more serious. I hope uh, that would be the case moving forward. Now, it obviously remains to be seen with a lot of things. And that's what I wanted to touch on here. The first thing is just perspective. And I share that because I'm not going to share the name here, but I got a guy here. And he's been with us for a couple years. When I met him, he shared his story with me, and he has a rare type of uh, blood cancer, which I can't pronounce because I'm just a gorilla in a warehouse. But years ago, he got diagnosed with this very rare type of uh, blood cancer, and basically, they told him he was going to die. They're like, "Hey, man, this is it. There's really nothing we can do for you. And you know, you may have six months, you may have a year, you may have two years, but but this is it." eventually, it's going to wear you down. And it's going to be lights out. So he sold this business did very well for himself, you know, a couple million bucks, all that stuff, and kind of, you know, traveling around the world with his family and kids kind of on his bucket list tour. And long story short, uh, the Mayo Clinic, I believe, uh, is who created like this experimental program of like therapeutics and different things. Again, I'm an idiot. I don't know how to describe this to you. But put his cancer back into remission. So he started to do much better. So essentially got his life back his like second chance at life. And that's when we met him. As he tells me the story, now obviously through all the treatments, the, the chemos, the radiations, all the stuff he went through, obviously, there's some some long term effects there, he doesn't have great feeling in his feet, almost like drop foot or like his feet are asleep. So there's some things that always are going to stay with him. But you know, he gets a second chance at life. We'll fast forward we work with him a couple years and it is early March of last year, right around the time COVID rears its ugly ass head into our lives. He, uh, basically gets a message that his cancer is, is back. Um, it's not in the remission anymore. So his cancer comes back. And apparently the type of like rare blood cancer he has with the COVID stuff, the, uh, death rate is about 35 to 40% of people. So people who have his particular type of cancers in this, I guess, kind of cancer family that happen to get COVID about 35 to 40% of them are just dropping dead right off the bat. So this guy moves himself into his house up North here in Arizona for six months during the pandemic, like the heart and the meat of it when we're all kind of stuck at home and just like hating life. Right. He decides to not stay with his his wife and his kids because his kids will still be going to see other kids and going, you know, uh, to school and meeting other people and kind of living their life. And he can't risk it with, you know, him being so susceptible to getting sick and, and probably dying. So he moves himself up to his other home in northern Arizona and lives by himself for six months. And the only time he comes back to see his family is that each Friday he'd come back for his chemo and the radiation and all that stuff, the treatment he's going through. And then he would see his family outside in their backyard distance with masks on because that's obviously how serious it is for him because he's in that vulnerable population. And that's how he lived basically the entire pandemic, a half year of his life. And he couldn't really go out anywhere. You couldn't do anything. Everything's closed and he's so susceptible to getting it. And flash forward, he comes in and shares all this with me about three weeks ago as now his, his cancer is back under control. He's back in the remission kick, and he's obviously got both his vaccines, so he feels confident to come in here and obviously train with me in a setting where basically it's just us. And as he's telling me that, and th- that story goes about 50 levels deeper, but I don't want to talk for two hours without obviously him being here. I think about how shitty my 2020 was, right? And how, I guess, unfun it was for me, and how rough you know it was for Uh, Like Heather and our friends and our family here, and these people. And our experience pales in comparison to his. I didn't have fun. It was kind of weird and kind of sad and depressing for me, but I was here exercising, making money. I'm healthy. I can basically do and, and go wherever the fuck I want to. And this guy, is living through this nightmare by himself, not knowing if he's gonna get this, and, and this is gonna be the thing that kills him. After already going through the cancer and the chemo and the radiation and the surgeries and all this stuff already, now it's coming back, and he has a family, and he has kids, and he can't even see them. It's perspective, you know. We, our, our world is our reality, and I'm not trying to knock anybody. Luxury problems are still problems. If you got a flat tire on your Porsche, yeah, that sucks, but you're driving a Porsche. Don't be an asshole. But we make these mountains out of molehills, if you will. And we sometimes get wrapped up in our own bubble, in our own ecosystem. And in our in our head, it's always the worst for us. And that's why I, I consistently share the quote, if we all threw our problems in a pile, like all 8 million, you know, 8 billion people, excuse me, in the world, threw all our problems in a pile. And you could see all the shit that everybody else is dealing with. I can almost promise you to a person, you would sprint back into that pile and grab your shit pretty fast. If you knew what everybody else was chewing on. This is a guy, he didn't say anything the entire year, not a message, not a note, just basically suffered in silence and went through this and was, you know, badass enough to come out on the other side. And I share that just as a reminder, if you might be going through some shit right now, you know, maybe you lost your job or you took a pay cut or things just aren't ideal it can always be worse, I guess, is is the takeaway. And I don't want to frame it that way, but it's true. And uh, there's real shit, and then there's this kind of like bullshit that we deal with. And just understand whatever wherever you're at today, it might be some real shit, but you might be on some bullshit, man. And uh, sometimes you just got to rise above it and keep things moving because there's other people out there who are dealing with some real life-altering traumatic stuff, and they're just pushing right through it. And I say this because this guy comes in here. And he's always happy, always smiling, always upbeat. He's got a great fucking attitude. He went through all that shit and then chose to volunteer. In Arizona, you can volunteer to help with the uh, the vaccine distribution. You can go to one of the state sites and work like these eight-hour shifts to like, you know, check people in, get them set up. You know, there's it's it's really an efficient system they have set up here to do that. I, w- I will say that. And he volunteered not once but twice to do that. Which is pretty badass. And when I asked him why, he's like, it's just like the right thing to do. He goes, Jeremy just felt like it was the right thing to do for me. Which is pretty fucking cool, man. So just know there is people out there uh, dealing with some real shit. And those are the ones that tend to just rise up. And it it gives, you know, it makes I guess it makes me feel bad, you know, (laughs) for not doing more. But uh, it's pretty impressive and it's pretty amazing. And it, it was even a slap in the face to me. Like, man, you know, you had some little asshole moments where you were really tripping out about some shit that it mattered to you. But um, in the big picture, that really not problems at all. So I I wanted to share that because I thought it was uh, I thought it was important. And uh, I also want to touch on an email that I sent out uh, to our group the other day, Michael assert, who's a fitness professional as well had wrote this, uh, I believe on his Facebook page or somewhere and I stumbled across it and I saved it and I threw it on our email list. And it was tied into the uh, the vaccine distribution and uh, incentivizing people to go do it, which I'm all for, right? Like, I'm a fan of anything that gets me back into normal life. I really am. My, my hope would be that people are going to, you know, eat better and, and train better and take better care of themselves and their bodies and understand that like a vaccine, yes, it's important, but there's a lot of other shit you need to do to build up your immune system, make your body healthier. And if we understand that 80% of people who really struggle with the pandemic, or people who are obese and unhealthy, that would have eradicated a lot of the problems right there. And I think if you look at that across the board, in terms of heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, hypertension, if we ate better, and didn't abuse alcohol and shitty food and exercised, we would be much better off as a country and as a nation and as a fucking world for that matter. So my hope is that this woke a lot of people up. But he wrote on his Facebook, and I quote, let me get this right. Krispy Kreme, will give you a free donut every single day for the remainder of the year when you show your COVID vaccine. So you are potentially safe from COVID, but in return you get obesity and possible diabetes. Because when you add up what a free Krispy Kreme is per day over the course of from now to the end of the year, that's 54,150 calories. If you take advantage of the deal, most of which is made up of fat and sugar. It would take you 90 hours of cardio to burn that off, averaging 10 calories per minute. And if you guys have ever ridden the assault bike, 10 calories per minute is not a crazy pace, but you got to try. Imagine doing that for 90 hours for a single Krispy Kreme every single day. And keep in mind that eight out of 10 people hospitalized or died due to COVID were because they were obese and overweight. It's just something to think about. And I went on to write in the email it would have been great to see you incentivize people like, hey, we'll give you a year's supply of free vitamin D if you get the vaccine. We'll give you a year's supply of zinc. We'll give you athletic greens. We'll give you a free gym membership. And obviously I'm being idealistic when I say that because that does not incentivize people. Most people don't want a year's supply of free vitamin D. They'd rather have the fucking Krispy Kremes. And that's why we're in the situation we're in. That's why we're having so many issues right now because we are so unhealthy because the baseline is shit. And we need to move that baseline. And that's why I do have an issue with the Krispy Kreme stuff. Now, if it helps people get it, that's awesome. But you can't rob Peter to pay Paul. And that's what you're doing. You're robbing Peter to pay Paul here in the scenario where we're going to fix one problem, but we're going to basically perpetuate other problems. Because let's be honest, who the fuck goes to Krispy Kreme and just eats a donut? I mean, no human. Like no normal rational human would go there for just a single donut. Yeah, I'll get the free one, but I'll take another 6. I'll take another 12. I didn't have a Krispy Kreme till I was probably a sophomore in college. And I remember them things came off the conveyor belt and I literally looked at my college teammates and I'm like, "What is this?" I'm like, the thing melts in your mouth. It is like, you know, cocaine. I'm like, "What the fuck is this?" And I can't even feel my face right now. I could eat 30 of them. So I get the addiction there and I know it's a slippery slope, man. But I, I wanted to share that because it was—I thought it was, uh, you know, important that he had pointed that out. And it just—it's uh, mind-blowing, man. Like like what we're doing—we're incentivizing, you know, not the correct things. And we—we really—I've said it a million times before. We we missed the boat during this last year. Where we could have had these real conversations about people getting healthier and being legit, legit healthy. And I think a lot of people have taken some steps in the right direction. I just don't think it's uh, anywhere near enough, uh, in my opinion. And I'm all for everything that gets people to be healthier. Um, I'm not trying to knock the, uh, the the home fitness apps and things, if that's what works for people. Obviously, a lot of people buy our stuff. But it's not gimmicky shit. And I'm not knocking the mirror or... Uh, what's the other one with it? The other one has like the arms on it. Oh my god, tonal... Um, or like Peloton and stuff, if that helps people really be fit, that's cool. But my fear is habituation starts with that stuff because with no goal, with no accountability, and with no real coach, most people aren't very successful. You take the best athletes in the world. Without a goal, accountability, and a coach, they tend to be lazy, uh, and a lot of them get fat. Not all of them, but a lot of them do because they don't. there's not that carrot there, and there's not somebody pushing them and checking in with them. I did stumble across uh, a post the other day. on um, I think it was Yahoo.com. It was like the Peloton pandemic and, and what it's doing to your body. And uh, when you kind of dig into it, basically they're just, they're showing people riding these bikes and their postures. And if you've we've worked with a lot of Ironmen here, a lot of triathletes over the years, it's all forward training, right? Like it's all just this rounding of the spine forward, and you know you lose the low back, you lose the upper back, and then they have these obviously postural issues. Uh, Because they're running forward, they're swimming forward, and obviously they're biking forward. There is no lateral movement. It's similar to CrossFit. There's really no, you know, there's no skater hops. There's no shuffling. There's no monster walks. It's just all, you know, this vertical kind of you know vector training stuff. Um, And the same thing when you look at the Peloton. And when I read that, I'm like the Peloton pandemic and what it's doing to your body. I'm like, that doesn't sound good. And when you dig into it, it basically explains the postural issues it's causing for some people. Because if it's all you're doing, again, I'm not knocking on Peloton. I'm, I'm happy for them. Andy Spear works there. Shout out to Andy. Love him. He's a great guy. Uh, they, they do some good stuff, but it's not the end all be all. It just isn't. It's, it's why, like, I like yoga too. We partner with this company called Core Power Yoga. If you're a member at Jeremy Scott finish, you can go to Core Power Yoga um, four times a month for free. So once a week, you can throw yoga in. I think yoga is great, but it's not the base it's not the end all be all you got to strengthen you got to move functionally you have to move dynamically and I believe that and so when you dig into like you know what is the peloton doing to your body it's like you're meaning to tell me that sitting in a hunched over posture isn't the cure for too much sitting in a hunched over posture who fucking knew like you guys you sticking these people on this bike in their terrible postures after they sat at a desk all day doing zoom and team calls in horrible posture like that's the crazy thing. And so I'm, I'm not trying to knock it, but if that's all you're doing, I think over time you're going to do your body a huge disservice. And it's it's tough to be fit. It's tough to do all the right things. I understand that. And there's a joke that um, John Goodman had shared in, in kind of the same context, and he wrote Peloton, you know, why use effective and inexpensive weights when you can use an ineffective and expensive bike? I'll repeat that again. Why use effective and inexpensive weights, dumbbells, kettlebells, bands, when you can use an ineffective and expensive bike? Now, obviously, some people love it. And it's something that helps them jumpstart. But the reality is you don't got to buy a $3,000 bike with a fucking screen on it, dude. That's it's a bike. You could have spent 800 bucks on a salt bike and crushed it and got a a workout that's 10 times as good in, in, in a quarter of the time. That's reality. Throw in some push-ups, some lunges, some pull-ups if you can, and you're good to go. If you got dumbbells, even better. So it's just, it's crazy what we're doing. I I think we sometimes are, we have the right intentions, yet the the overall picture isn't clear to the average consumer, and we're just, we're not doing the best we can. At least, hopefully, some of these are steps, you know, forward in the right direction, but it's uh it's kind of craziness to see uh, how these things are playing out. And hopefully, for a lot of people, a Peloton becomes a great, uh, you know, if dumbbell work is the steak, the Peloton is like the asparagus on the side. And that's a great place for it to be. And hopefully, that's what it stays for people. It's a great side. Maybe it's the mac and cheese, you know, maybe it's the Brussels sprouts, maybe it's the, the asparagus, but that's what it is. But your dumbbell work your squats, your presses, your pushes, your pulls, that's your stake. And that's always has been, always will be. The strength training focus is always going to be what it is. Aerobically, you can you can sprinkle in whatever you want and that's fine. And my hope is that that's what it becomes for people and they don't rely on it as the stake because it's, they're never going to get where they want doing that. And I think for a lot of people, other than aerobically improving them, it'll create more postural issues than good, especially if they're not doing mobility and foam rolling a ton on top of it. And for a lot of people, it's going to turn to a really expensive clothes hanger. You guys know what I'm talking about. You got treadmills, ellipticals and shit all over your house. that has got clothes or it's tucked into some corner of an office or a bedroom or a garage and nobody's using them. So, okay, I'm 20 minutes in and I've been ranting uh, the entire time. My apologies. Uh, hopefully I can give you guys some value uh, moving forward here. Now, I'm going crazy today. I'm tired. I'm hungry. Stay up too late with some friends last night. Well worth it. Amazing, but... Uh, I found out that if I stay up till 11 o'clock at night, my brain works even worse than it does if I go to sleep early, which is dangerous for all of us. But the 10 things to think about. Now, Pat sent these in context of like how we think about business. But anytime I read something that says business or fitness, I just think of it as life. I, I really do. It's all connected, you know. David Jack and I joke a lot, you know, it's all fitness and it's all not fitness. And you can, you know, draw parallels to a lot of things in life. I think fitness and finance are are very comparable. I think sports and real life are very comparable. A lot of things mirror each other if you want to uh, look at them outside just the, the very narrow box that a lot of people do see things in. So the 10 things to think about. Number one, the most successful people keep improving, while the average usually remain average. The most successful people keep improving, even if it's incrementally, while the average person remains average. Obviously, this is an opinion, but largely because successful people enjoy improvement. Successful people enjoy improvement. They like learning. They like setting new goals, and they like hitting them. They see success as a process or a journey. They don't buy into the I'll be happy and successful when mentality. You guys know where I'm going with that? People say, well, I'll be happy when I'm a millionaire. I'll be happy when I get that house. I'll be successful when I get this degree. I'll be a success when I drive this car. And it's just not the case. I've shared this on multiple podcasts, and, and I'll probably do it until I'm dead. And, and I had the conversation last night with some friends, and I'll talk about this later on in this episode, too. But I just want to play the game. That's all this is. It's the the game of life, the game of business, the game of being an entrepreneur, the game of of fitness. To me, it's all just playing the game. I don't need to check the scoreboard every five minutes, because it doesn't matter. It's nice to glance up once in a while to see where you're at, you know, if, if you're down 10 points, or you're up 15 points, whatever it may be. But it's a long ass game. And so it doesn't matter what happens in the first half of the first quarter. I don't need to win every second of every single day. I just like the process and in in the process of being successful and being happy, you're going to take some losses, there's going to be some setbacks, and that's okay. But most people I know that are successful, a we will talk about the definition of success during this episode a little bit. But it's they're seeing growth. They're seeing improvement and they're seeing learning and they're hitting like these benchmarks along the way as they go. And they're having fun doing it. Now, not every day. Some days suck shit and some days are going to get, you know, kicked in the nuts and that just happens. But overall, they enjoy every single day. Like they wake up jacked to accomplish things. They get the sense of fulfillment by doing a good job, by putting in a good day's work. And that's what it's about. It's about playing the game. I don't know anybody who I would consider to be successful and have a successful life who hates what they do who absolutely dreads what they do or they're sick of it, they're tired of it, they complain about it because successful people don't do that. And people who are only chasing the end game, I don't think are ever successful. Now obviously that's my opinion. And I've shared this before that the end goal is almost it's deflating because nothing Really happens. It's like, well, now what? And I use myself as the example. I remember twelve years ago, sitting in an office with with Brett and Pod, and and I literally said this. I said, if I could just get a hundred clients to pay me a hundred bucks a month, that'd be ten thousand dollars. It's crazy. Even if my expenses were seven and a half, I could make twenty five hundred bucks a month doing fitness. I'd be the happiest guy in the world, and I fucking meant that. And obviously. We hit that benchmark and then surpass it and surpass it. And obviously you keep going. The point I'm driving at is just because I got there, I wasn't finished. And when I realized, I'm like, well, I'm not, this isn't fulfilling. That's This is just one check mark to move forward. Because if I just, if I stop here and die, what's the point? I want to be on the cover of a magazine. And then you get on the cover of the first magazine and the next magazine and the next magazine. And it's like, well, now what? Well, now what? Well, I just want to, I want to do, I want to do a project with men's health. And then another project, and then it, it just keeps going. The point is, is, the game is what it is. Like the journey is everything. The journey is the success. It's not just the, oh, you paid off your house. Yeah, nothing happened. There wasn't a parade. Nobody fucking celebrated. It was the process of doing it, which I enjoyed. The tactical part of it, you know, as much of it as was a pain in the ass and that I don't really want to ever go through that that process again, which I will not do. I like the game of it. I like the challenge of it. Like that's why I love fitness. That's why I love sports. You love competing, whether it be with yourself or the other team or with another player, if you're going head to head. But at the end of the day, it's always with yourself. Even if other people are in the same arena, it's just you versus you. That's what success is to me. It's the people that are willing to grow willing to challenge themselves, willing to be uncomfortable, willing to push themselves beyond what normal people will do. That's why the people in fitness are fit. It's fucking hard. It takes a certain level of, you know, sacrifice, uh, commitment, and dedication and patience that most people don't have. And if you're not growing, you're dying. I believe that. And if you want to picture like an uphill incline, right, like that's what life is and that's what success is to me. It's like if you're pushing a wagon up a hill, There is no such thing as staying the same. It's either going forwards because you're moving it forwards or you're going to slide backwards. And that's what I think the success mentality is as opposed to the, I'll be successful when I do X. I'll be successful when I do Y. I hate to break it to you. There's a lot of things I said I was going to do and I've done, you know, damn near all of them. And none of them left me ultimately fulfilled. There's always this natural inclination for us to, to, to want more and to do more. And that's why I say, If you can find something you love to do or enjoy to do that fulfills you internally, gives you some kind of like emotional income, that's the game, man. Number two, successful people focus on not only their own strengths, but also on the strengths of those around them. It's not that they ignore weakness, but they don't try to fix those as much as they build on their strengths. I'm a huge fan of punting anything that you suck at. Now, certain things in life you have to be uh, proficient at or have a certain baseline level of competency. Now, I'm a terrible student. I'll be the first one to say it to you. I can memorize a lot when I hear things um, in audio. They tend to stick with me and I tend to never forget them, so I guess that's a gift. But I wouldn't consider that learning. It's just memorizing and just regurgitating shit. That I really, I'm not processing it. It's just like, oh, I heard it, and I can spit out the facts to you again. Especially if it's things I don't care about. Now, if I like something, I'm all in it. But if you're talking like geometry, terrible. Uh, history to 1877, terrible. There's a lot of things I just I don't, I don't give a shit about, but I can I can memorize them. But I'm not going to beat myself up that I'm not great at math. You know, that I'm not great with punctuation, that I'm not great at spelling, and my handwriting is fucking atrocious. If you ever get a birthday card from us, it's always Monica, because I'm the worst ever. It's, it's amazing that people can even read my handwriting on the whiteboards here. The point I'm driving at is, I'm not going to beat myself up over all the things I suck at, because I suck at a lot of things. Now I'd be so depressed, I'd never get out of my own, you know, negative thought patterns and my own negative self talk. It's like, Jeremy, you suck at this and this and this, you yeah, know, and I'm only good at a couple of things. And it's taken me a long time to get good at even those things. But I double down on the things that I'm good at. And anything that I'm not great at, I surround myself with people that are good at those. Like, sure, I could use like our Infusionsoft stuff and, and build our online funnels and all these things for our business, but I got a guy, Matt Sizemore, he's the best at what he does. He's the best in the fucking business. So why would I not leverage him for that? He's great. I'm good at what I'm good at. And so I'm married to a person too, and Heather and I have some complimentary skills and some Complementary weaknesses as well or I guess complementary like craziness. We're both, you know, a, a certain type of way. I'll leave it at that. But she's better at so many things than I am and, and thoughtful in ways that I'm not thoughtful in and I'm thoughtful in ways that she's not, but we complement each other. And I'm not going to sit and ride her because she's not like me in certain areas and vice versa. I'm not a fan of focusing on your weaknesses over and over and over. You can work to improve them a little bit, but sometimes you're not naturally going to be good at stuff. Like, I don't sound like Adele. I just don't, dude. Like, I don't sound like Justin Timberlake when I sing. I sound like someone who swallowed wet gravel. It's not good. So I don't sing. And I'm not going to sit and try to, like, go take voice lessons when the reality is that's not for me. I play to the strengths of what I'm good at, and I double down on those. And that's what I've done here. I've created an ecosystem to where I can be successful based around my skill set and what I'm good at. You know, that's why I do fitness and I don't teach math. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Successful people focus on their strengths and they double down on them and they punt the weak stuff and surround themselves with people who can help them in the areas that they're not great. Now obviously if you suck at finance, you have to have a certain level of competency so you don't go into debt and there's things like that, but you don't have to be a financial genius, you know why? You can know enough, you can ask questions, you can stand on the shoulders of giants and learn from your financial advisor, learn from your CPA. That's why those guys are doing what they do and you're doing what you do. Number three, along the same lines, successful people seem to be able to separate important relationships, opportunities and actions from non-important ones. I'll repeat that. Most successful people seem to be able to separate the important relationships and opportunities and actions in their lives from the not important ones. I'm a huge fan of this. You can't say yes to everything. It's okay to say no. Every opportunity is not for you. Every event is not for you. Every trip is not for you. Every job is not for you. Every client is not for you. Every workout, every exercise, every food plan, every you name it is not for you. It's okay to say no, you can't be a yes person. You can't always be making everybody else happy in life. You always have to put your mask on first. We've been through this before. And most people I know that are successful are very good at picking and choosing what opportunities are for them and which ones are not for them. I turned on a lot of things last year. Well, last year is a weird year. Um, But there's a lot of things I couldn't do. And the year before, I turned on a lot of opportunities that just weren't for me. That would have helped me financially do a lot of things differently. Um, but it just wasn't right for me. And I know that. It just wasn't an important opportunity. At least for now, for my goals and, and who I am and what I want to be. And that goes for people in my life. I got a lot of friends. I'm very blessed and very lucky and fortunate. But I know what relationships are important to me and which ones aren't. And... You have to understand that there's people in your life sometimes that are lifting you up and there's people that are dragging you down and you have to be able to identify those and understand like, hey, is this going to put me in a better place or a worse place? Is this person a fountain to me? Or are they a drain to me? Are they always taking something from me or are they giving me anything in return? And most successful people understand, you know, hey, these actions matter. These relationships matter. These opportunities matter and these ones don't. And they prioritize their day, and their week, and their month, their year, and their life that way. Number four, successful people understand that working hard has a ceiling, and eventually, you'll have to shift to working smarter. This is true. Um, Depending on what you do for a career or for a living, um, this is going to hit everybody a little bit different. But in my world, there comes a point where you just can't work any harder. Like, like physically you just can't do it. You either don't have enough physical energy, uh, enough brain capacity, which is usually my problem, um, or both, because I'm a workhorse, man, I'll, um, I'll run my body into the dirt if I have to. But my brain will just, my brain will go and then I start just talking shit and like sending out stuff that's not quality anymore. And I can't do that. And it if you're talking, let's say you just you just owned a gym, right? You didn't do anything else. You didn't have an online business, you weren't in real estate, you didn't have a podcast, you're just a guy who loves fitness and you love to train people. At some point, you just can't work harder. There's gonna come a point where you can't wake up earlier and you can't stay up later, and you can't possibly squeeze in more individual clients. You're gonna have to work smarter if you want to leverage it up and make more money. Whether that be running, you know, small groups large groups, there's an online component, you're gonna to have to say no to certain people. And this year specifically, is especially the first three plus months of the year, I have turned away more people who want to come in here and work with me uh, in a one on one setting, I just don't have the time. I don't have the bandwidth. Now, could I, you know, squeeze them in on a Friday and a Saturday and a Sunday and maybe a Tuesday afternoon? Sure. But it's going to steal from me. You know, at that point, I'm, you know, it's not about money either. It's, uh, it would rob me of, uh, the quality I could give to everybody else. And that's what we all get into. That's why I say every opportunity is not for you, but you have to understand, like, you can't just keep working harder and, and working more. It has to be smarter. It has to be more efficient. And you have to learn to say no to certain things and understand where you place your energy. And that's tough for a lot of people, especially if you're, if you are in the entrepreneurial kind of uh, world and you're, you're trying to do everything and be the jack of all trades. You just can't. Um, and if you are an entrepreneur out there and you struggle with that, a great book is, is the e-myth by Michael Gerber Again, it's called the e-myth, uh, Michael Gerber put it together. There's a lot of different the, the eBooks, but that one's great. It just breaks down the difference between, uh, being a manager and a technician and the owner and, and how you wear all the hats. And eventually you have to transition, you know, to what your strength is. And a lot of people do struggle with that. Um, cause they don't want to say no, they don't want to miss out, but you have to understand at some point working harder Is just not an option. You have to be really smart about it in how you spend your energy. And I think it was maybe a a Jeff Bezos clip that I was watching where he was talking about sleep. And uh, obviously, you know, you know, richest dude in the world, or at least one of them. And he was talking, you know, if I get up super early or stay up super late to get a couple more tasks done, the quality of my decision making dramatically decreases. And basically what he was saying is if you're like a CEO of these huge companies, probably Fortune 100, 250, 500, whatever, the guys, you know, making, you know, multiple million dollars a year, you know, just in probably bonuses, let alone salary. He's like, your job isn't to do more tasks. Your job is to make probably five to six, you know, decisions, important decisions. And you have to be mentally clear and focused for that. And that's what he's talking about, like working smarter, as opposed to just harder. And a lot of times people blur the line between the two. Number five, who you surround yourself with matters a lot. And that's what I touched on with relationships. Again, I can't say this enough. This is true for everything in life. If you want to be a good, kind person, you got to surround yourself with good, kind people. If you hang out with negative assholes, even if you don't try to be, you might end up being a negative asshole. It just wears you down, man. It really does. It's it's draining on you. And that's why I talk about the fountain and the drain. You know the people I'm talking about, the people in your life they are just the energy sucks. They're just the vampires. They take from you. They're always complaining. They're always bitching. They're always whining. You're always pouring into them and they're never pouring into you. It's exhausting, man. It really is. When you're always their counselor, when you're always their coach, and it just seems like nothing's ever good enough when you give them a piece of advice it's always another complaint or it's always there's always a rebuttal of negative shit you guys know those people we all have them in our lives I don't have any of them as personal friends because I eradicated that shit a long time ago but the sad thing is sometimes it's your family and I'm not telling you what to do but uh my family knows if you're calling me uh to get a you know Cinderella kind of Pollyann pep talk you fucked up. I'm the wrong dude. You're getting, uh, you're getting Jeremy Goggins basically on the phone uh, to, to kick it real to you. And that's who I am though. And, and I try to help people that way to be brutally honest with them if that's what they need to hear. Now, obviously, sometimes you have to do it with padded gloves, but you have to surround yourself with people who are like you or people that you want to be like. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Like if you want to be financially successful. You can't hang out with people who are at the bar, you know, crushing whiskeys, playing pull tabs till one in the morning. That's not a recipe for success. Do people still play pull tabs? I feel like I'm dating myself like I'm an old guy from the Midwest, but I I am an old guy from the Midwest. But that's what people would do. You know what I'm talking about? Like where just ripping off pull tabs as they're they're crushing wild turkeys till 2am and they complain that they're broke as fuck. Like you don't want to be that person. If you're hanging out with people who are always drinking booze, eating fast food, never exercising, it's going to be really hard for you to, you know, compete in the next Ironman. Like, real recognizes real. Like, you have to be in the circle that you want to be in. And if you're always the fittest, the smartest, the best person in the room, I think you're walking into the wrong rooms. You, may, you maybe have to level up your circle of humans because the people you surround yourself with, whether it be digitally, or in person, or listen to on podcasts, or watch on YouTube, that shit matters, dude, it is. You are what you consume on every level. And that doesn't mean just the food you eat and what you drink. It's what you listen to, it's what you read, and it's what you watch. Number six, no successful person goes it alone. Success is a team sport. And it's true, dude. Um, obviously, Uh, I get a lot of credit for the things that go on here. It's the Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast. I'm wearing a Jeremy Scott Fitness shirt. My name's on the building. People come here, as weird as it is, they fly in to take a picture with me, and they think I'm, like, way fucking cooler than I am. And I'm not. But I get all the credit. And I also eat all the shit, too. So Monica, Matt, uh, you know, Jack, anybody who's with us, they don't have to eat the shit. I'm going to eat it all. I'm going to take all the L's, rightfully so and then wrongfully I get all the shine I get all the glory and uh it's not accurate because I wouldn't be here without so many people and I've thanked them many times before but without Monica you guys aren't going to see a lot of the stuff you see without Sean our programs aren't going to look the way they look without Matt you're not going to get basically anything from us cuz he does it all you know what I'm saying like without Heather Instagram probably isn't a place where you found me because bless her heart. She's here every weekend filming me doing this shirtless bullshit that we do, but it's a team effort. And a lot of people wouldn't even know about our facility in person here in Scottsdale without, you know, a Susan or a Shannon or a Roxanne or a Dennis or a Jeff, like everybody, they all build on itself. It's a team here. Even the, even the athletes who are here, they're all part of the team. And I wouldn't be a success without them. This doesn't matter unless they're here. This doesn't even exist unless they're here. They're all part of the team. That's what we always call it like team Jeremy Scott Fitness. We actually have an entity, a business that is called team Jeremy Scott Fitness because it is a team. And every successful person knows that. Even if I'm the catalyst and if I die tomorrow, the whole thing, you know, folds like a fucking lawn chair. It was nothing without these guys and it wouldn't be this without them and they should get more credit than they do. And I try to pump them up and and put them on all the platforms as much as they want to be on. But I wouldn't be here without them. And so I do appreciate all them. And you guys have to know that we're only as good as the people we surround ourselves with. Number seven, successful people understand the concept of value exchange, and that they only obtain the value income opportunity that they want by delivering values to those they serve. This is for everybody in business. This is for everybody who wants to get a promotion, who wants to climb the corporate ladder, for anybody who wants to be a success, whether it be in corporate America or in entrepreneurship, especially if you're in the service industry. And let's be real, all of us are in the service industry in in one shape or form. Successful people understand the concept of value exchange. You're exchanging value. So if you want to obtain money, income, or opportunity or advancement or clout or fame or whatever you're chasing, you understand that you have to deliver value to the people you serve. That's it. People come to me and they ask, how do I make money? I'm like, well, how much money do you need to make? First of all, so figure that out. And then figure out what you're going to do to earn money and how many people you have to help and be awesome. Day in and day out 24 seven 365. How many people can you help? That equates to money. How many people's problems can you solve? How many people's lives can you make easier? How many people's lives can you enrich? Figure that out. Figure how much per person that costs. And then do that. Wash, rinse, repeat over time. Doing things that provide people value is how you become rich. It's how you become successful. The more people you can help, the more successful you're going to be. That's it. At least the way that I think of it, right? Like, well, when the young kids will come to me uh, and they're like, well, Jeremy, I want to do what you do. A, no, you don't. You would hate my life. You don't want to do this. But if you really say you want to do, and there are some crazy people out there who ju- are just as knucklehead and, and stubborn as me, then we have the conversation. And they'll ask, well, how do I build a, a, a big uh, podcast following? How do I build a big Instagram following or social media following? I'm like, you just be awesome. And you provide as much value as you can for people every single day. And you do that for Three, five, seven, ten years, and you'll get there. If you provide enough value for people consistently over time, they're going to see you, they're going to take notice. And there you go. And that will equate to different opportunities, different sponsorships, and different income. It's the same thing if you work at a company, if you work at a a, a giant fortune 500 company, well, how do I get a promotion? How much value can you provide for the clients? For the business to business consumers you're working with, to your boss, to middle management, to upper management, how much value can you exchange to them so they exchange opportunity and income for you? It's a simple wash, rinse, repeat process, but you have to show that you're a linchpin. You have to show that you're valuable. Does that make sense? Like it's overly simplistic, but it's not, especially if you're doing your own stuff. Like if you run a restaurant, well, can you make the experience amazing? Can you provide them value? Can you provide them a great meal, a great dinner, a great experience? If you do that enough and help enough people, you're value exchanging this food and the service for income, for word of mouth, for reviews, for referrals, for opportunity. You have to be willing to help a ton of people day in and day out. And if you do that, money will come, opportunity will come and all sorts of badass things that you never thought possible. But it starts super small. I say this with everyone who ever asks, well, how do I build a giant social media following? Because that's what it seems like. And I sound like an old person, but it's what every kid who's 24, 25, 26 says. I'm like, be awesome to the three people you work with today. Be awesome with the 10 people here in-house. Be awesome with the 50 people who are here. Be awesome with the 100 people who are here. Be awesome with the 200 local people you work with. Because if you do that, it's going to grow from the inside out organically, and that's how it works. Because nobody gives a shit how awesome you are if they live in Australia, if you haven't helped anybody in your circle here. That's what I'm saying. Work with where you're at now, and that will exponentially grow over time. Keep providing value. Provide so much that the world and people can't ignore you. Number eight, successful people are strong believers in personal responsibility. They don't feel entitled or victimized. They own their outcomes. Now, obviously, shitty things happen all the time bad timing, bad circumstance, fucking covid, you name it. Like sometimes things just suck. And you can't control a lot of the shit that comes your way. But your reaction to it, you can. You have to take a personal responsibility. If even if something happened to you and it it's it wasn't your fault and it was just shitty luck, own it, bro. Like like really own it and don't feel like don't play the victim. You know, if if something went wrong, Don't sit and cry about it for 15 days and 15 weeks and 15 years. You got to get back up and keep moving. And you have to own the outcome. And the one thing I'll tell people is don't feel like you're entitled to anything. Don't feel like you're, you're not entitled to shit. The world doesn't owe you anything. Nobody owes you anything. If you, if you're healthy and you got a decent functioning brain and you can learn and listen to podcasts and watch Google and YouTube, you can learn. And you can work your ass off day in and day out. And if you don't have a negative mentality, if you don't have this kind of you know, victimized outlook on life, and you're willing to work your ass off and be positive, you're going to have some pretty good outcomes over time. It's not going to be super easy. It's not for anybody. Nobody just woke up one day and was a success and, and had a perfect body and a perfect life. like That doesn't happen. It takes people having extreme ownership of their situation and their circumstance and be willing to put in the work to change it over time. That's it. The two biggest things I see people fail at and the reason why they're not advancing and in, in being where they're at is because they, they do feel entitled to certain things. They feel like, well, I deserve this. I'm like, you deserve whatever you got. You deserve wherever you're at. And if you've been working your ass off and it hasn't happened yet, just keep working. Because why quit? If you're going through some shit, well, don't just sit and stand in the shit. Keep fucking moving forward, and you'll get there. But you can't play the victim, and you can't play the poor me. Because I promise you there's always somebody who has it worse, who is older, who has less energy, who's chewing on more shit and has had worse breaks than you. That's fucking crushing it. I can promise you that. So you just have to take responsibility for where you're at and be willing to put in the work daily over time. And if you do that with a positive attitude, more often than not, man, you're going to find yourself in a pretty badass position just a little bit down the road. Number nine, successful people focus on production and results. Not hours worked, not length on the job. They just focus on production and results. A famous saying Pat shared with me years ago is you get paid for done. That's it. Just produce results that's what matters at the end of the day. Like we can sit and talk about oh, I worked this many hours. And this is how it doesn't matter. If you can get something done in 10 hours or two hours, as long as it's quality, and you crushed it, that's what matters results, we get paid for done, we get paid for helping people. The more efficient you can be obviously the better. But if you're a successful person, you focus on the results and the production. That's it. That's the end game. And number 10. Truly successful people define what success means to them rather than adopting someone else's definition of success. I'll read that one last time because this is the last one. The true successful people, the ones who I feel are successful, they define what success means to them rather than adopting somebody else's definition of what success is. And I think that's the key to everything. It always has been to me. We sometimes get wrapped up in what we think the world's definition of success is, or societies, or your parents, or your friends, or your, you know, whatever, you know, YouTube and and shit they're trying to to feed you on TV. And, And I always go back to, you know, the Tyler Durden quote from Fight Club. And If you guys have never watched Fight Club, it can... If you watch it in the right mindset, it can change the way you think about life in a lot of ways. I saw it as a young kid, and it obviously struck something in me because I've probably watched it 300 times since then. Not only is it a great piece of cinema, uh, and it's comical and entertaining, but there's a lot of life lessons in there. I've written a blog on it before. We did a full podcast on, I think, like 10 quotes from Tyler Durden or something like that. But one of them is, you know, when we talk about success... And we sometimes equate it to status and and job title and stuff. The quote in the movie famously shares is, you know, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. You know, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. And we're we're flexing, right? We're we're trying to show out. We're trying to be fancy, you know. And they, they go on in the movie to say the things you end up, you know, Owning, you know, they really own you at the end of the day. And if your definition of success is, you know, graduating college, be- becoming an attorney, living in a $5 million house, driving a Mercedes, respect. I say this to Heather all the time. I don't judge anybody. I'm nobody to judge anyone. I'm just as fucked up and flawed, if not worse, than all of you guys. And I've made more mistakes than I can even imagine. And a lot of them, I don't even want to remember them. But if you're happy, I'm happy for you. The problem is a lot of people don't define success for themselves. They're doing what they think their mom and dad thinks success is. They're doing what they think their wife thinks success is. They're doing what they think their friends think successes. And they're pandering to an audience that really doesn't give a shit about them. They're pandering to strangers. They're spending their lives, you know, worried about what other people think. And at the end of the day, almost everybody too wrapped up and busy in their own lives. To think about you at all. So they really don't give a shit. So if you guys are doing that, please stop. Because that's not what success is. Success is your definition. Of what makes you happy. What makes you feel successful. To me, it's living my life on my own terms. You know, I'm my own boss. Nobody tells me what to do. Not even my wife. We might have arguments at home, but she's not going to tell me shit. Um, and I don't tell... And Lord knows I do not tell her anything. I've been down that road before. Um, So to me, success is doing what I want, when I want. And I created a world here where I can do and say what I want. And to me, success is actually using the gifts that I have, whether they be acquired from God or the universe or energy or the unicorn tears I drank this morning, or just the skills I've acquired over time of trying to make myself not be an asshole, of, of trying to be a good human. So if I can take that, and give that to other people and give them the gift of health, give them the gift of fitness and the education and and a motivation and accountability to be a better person. And to be healthier. That's what success is to me. It's not about money. Yeah, we, we can talk about financial success for sure. And I think success has pillars too, right? If you want to talk about well, I'm successful, It's not just the money you made because there's a lot of people who make money who have no friends and are assholes and everybody hates them and they're empty as fuck inside and they're depressed and miserable. I wouldn't say that's successful. Then there's people I know who are rich as hell and have great friends and they're super grounded and they're super happy and they're super giving. I would consider them to be more successful. Does that make sense? We all have our own internal definition, but for me, it's being able to do what I want when I want in the way that I want it. Where I don't feel like I have to sell people on something. I don't have to pander to an audience. I'm doing things that I think provide value to the world. And I'm taking these gifts I have and giving them back. That's why I believe I'm here. Like, so we can I can make the world a better place in ever what kind of small, weird fucking way I can do it, whether it be through shirtless videos with rap music in the background so be it if that's what gets you into the queue i'm happy to do that the point i'm driving at is people who are really successful and when i say successful i mean happy i equate success to how happy you are how fulfilled you are how much passion you have how excited you are how motivated you are every single day to me that's what success is i don't care if you make thirty-six thousand dollars a year if you love your fucking life and you're jacked to do what you do you are successful If you make $360,000 a year, but you're super stressed and depressed, and you have a drinking problem, and you hate your life, I don't think that's successful. But that's my definition. It's up to you to make your own. But the people that I've worked with here over the last 10, 11, 12, 13 years, the ones that are truly successful are the ones who have their own definition of it. And they're not doing it for other people. If they buy things, it's for themselves. If they buy things, it's for their family. If they buy things and do things and they're spending time, it's to enrich their lives and the lives of people around them. And they're more often than not really happy doing it. They're not keeping up with the Joneses. They're not, you know, fake fronting and flexing to impress other people because it doesn't matter to them because that's not what success is in their eyes. But again, it's up to all of you to make your own definition. So I'm sure some of those hit home for you guys. But again, it's just a quick rundown of, you know, I guess 10 things to think about in terms of your life and success and and how you're approaching it and how you go through your daily life. Because you spend far too much time sometimes doing tasks and chasing things that really don't bring you any fulfillment and happiness. And if it's not doing that, then what the hell are you really doing, right? Because life is really short. And to do it, to chase things and stuff and status that really doesn't fulfill you, isn't success to me. But again, at the end of the day, all you have to ask yourself is, am I happy and am I fulfilled? And do I feel like I'm growing and making progress? And if the answer is yes, you're on the right track. And if the answer is no, maybe it's time to just stop, step back, pause and audit your life and make a couple of changes. And the great thing is, is you're in control of that and you still got plenty of time to do it. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. A uh, reminder, the podcast is brought to you by my homies at Athletic Greens, athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott, for a year's supply of free vitamin D and five free travel packs with order one, or if you want a free sample, hit me up. I'll have Monica send one right to your front door, my gift to all of you, and the podcast is also brought to you by my homies at Beam CBD. it's beamtlc.com, the code is Jeremy Scott for 35% off all subscriptions and 20% off all products. That is what I take every single night for sleep, the dream product specifically. Um, But if you want to try the tinctures, the balms, or any of their clarity stuff, it is all amazing. And again, it won't get you high, but will help you be relaxed and get a little bit better sleep if that's what you're looking for. So if you guys got questions, any of that stuff, obviously hit me up. What do I got coming up on the docket here? It is March um, 27th. I have Alexia Clark coming on the podcast on Friday, Nikki Metzger the following Friday, and Megan Rigby the following Friday after that, as well as probably Heather and myself sprinkled in there along the way. And then our 34 Days to Fit Challenge is kicking off here April 19th, but I will dig into that in more detail for you guys who want to work with us in a deeper context. That's coming on the pipe, and then a lot of other fun stuff I'm working on. But I'm tired, I'm hungry, I got to get the hell out of here. I wish you guys an amazing Friday, or not Friday, it's Saturday. See, I'm losing my shit. Uh, Whatever day you're listening to this, hopefully uh, you guys are having an awesome day. And if you need anything on products, coaching, if you've got a question or a request for the podcast, hit me up. If you happen to be on Apple Podcasts, click the icon, scroll your finger all the way down, drop me a five-star, leave a comment. I'd appreciate it. And as always, sharing this with a friend or family member goes a long way. And if you're watching on YouTube, as always, thank you, guys. We appreciate you as well. So. Until next time, eat well, train hard, be nice to people, and please, you guys, keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.